Hey all, thank you for tuning into Women Birders Happy Hour. My name is Hannah. I'm a birder, a woman, and someone that enjoys a good drink after a long day of birding. Women have been integral to birding since it started, but we haven't always been recognized for the contributions and impact we have. Men have dominated the guiding scene, festival circuit, leadership positions, and publications. And according to a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service 2011 report, in the U.S., there were over 47 million birders. The majority of these birders are college-educated, they are white, they are women, and mostly are over the age of 55. And if you put all these factors together, we create the typical birder, a white, college-educated woman over the age of 55. And that's a demographic that I often see out birding, but I don't as frequently see as a speaker, a guide, or a sole publisher. Additionally, the voices of all women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus birders are not well represented in the birding voices we hear from. So I created this show to bring in more voices. Not to say that some of the regular festival keynotes aren't great, but there is room for others. And on the show, I'm asking everyday women from all walks of life to join me to discuss their experiences, their resources, and advice that they have for others. And I want you to remember that just because you may not have experienced some of these things, like sexism or gatekeeping, doesn't mean that they aren't real issues that others face. And because some of these conversations are best had over a cocktail or a mocktail, I also create a unique cocktail for each guest in case you want to mix yourself a drink and join us for this chat. I really admire Petra. She's a great role model for other women, a great advocate for nature, and just an all-around very cool person. So common nightingales, or simply nightingale, are small birds known for their beautiful and powerful song. They were formerly categorized as a thrush, but are now placed in the chats as an old world flycatcher, and its name, nightingale, means night singer. Even though their name suggests that they sing at night, they also do sing during the day. Uh, The name has been used for over a thousand years. However, early on, it was assumed that the female was the one doing the singing when it's actually the male. They are said to be singing at night because a few other birds are making noise at night, so it's much easier to discern out from that normal everyday chorus that goes along as they are one of the few night singers. They're a plain brown color except for having a reddish tail with buffy undersides, and the species is is migratory, um, breeding in the forests of Europe and the Palearctic and wintering in sub-Saharan Africa. Because humans have a long history with nightingales, we tend to know a lot about them, including specifics about their breeding habitat uh, requirements. And I only mention this because it's it's funny how picky they are. <laughs> they require a less than 1,300 feet above sea level, a mean air temperature of 57 degrees Fahrenheit, and more than 20 days a year with temperatures exceeding 77 degrees Fahrenheit, an annual precipitation of less than 30 inches, and no closed canopy. And once they've found this very specific spot, they will nest on or near the ground in dense vegetation. They feed mainly on invertebrates all year long. However, they will also feed on berries and seeds in the late summer and autumn. They forage within dense cover, mainly on the ground and in leaf litter, but will also glean uh, branches that they can, you know, reach from the ground. 
So as mentioned, humans do have a long history with nightingales. Homer mentions it in the Odyssey, Ovid in his Metamorphoses, and T.S. Eliot in The Wasteland. Um, those are just a few examples of the many ways in which they are um, used in uh, different writings. And Shakespeare even compares his love poetry to the song of the common nightingale. It's the national bird of Ukraine and Iran with legends of bringing joy to their people. So here is how to make your common nightingale. What you'll need is two ounces of apple cider, one and a half ounces of vodka, half an ounce of ginger liqueur, half an ounce of lemon juice, a tablespoon of simple syrup and ice. Really easy to make. You just toss all that in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake, 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 and then strain into a martini glass. Many folks associate apple cider with fall, so this may not immediately speak to you as a cocktail to represent a nightingale. However, the spiciness of the cider and ginger come together for a pleasing flavor to enjoy on a warm evening, and the colors all join together to create a rich light color similar to that of a nightingale. And Petra's story of hearing common nightingales that you'll hear soon felt so familiar to me. I live on the Oregon coast and have a very similar experience with Swainson's thrushes, who should be showing up in my neck of the woods shortly. So I just uh, really felt, uh, you know, the similarities in that her story as well. So this cocktail is best enjoyed during a spring evening just after sunset when common nightingales and Swainson's thrushes fill the backyard with song. So please join me in learning more about Petra. Well, I am so ecstatic to uh, welcome Petra onto this episode of Women Birders Happy Hour. Petra, would you please tell everyone about yourself? Thanks, Hannah, first of all, uh, for inviting me to join this uh, fantastic podcast. Uh, so my name is Petra Krigelia-Schmidt. Um, I'm the Global Marketing Manager for um Zeiss Nature Observation products for seven years now. Um, my key role is to prepare product launches for our nature observation portfolio and uh, to work closely with partners around the globe. And uh, yeah, this also includes um, the regional sales departments, but as well as our sponsoring partners, ambassadors and uh, Zeiss friends. Um, I have a diploma in international arts management uh, with a focus on economics and marketing. And my goal has always been to work uh, in a marketing position in the industry. So here I am. Um, I'm based in Frankfurt in, in Germany, which is a big city, um, but also has really nice birding spots in its surrounding areas. Um, for example, I have a small, yeah, you can say nature reserve. It's not really big, but uh, it's it's already a nature reserve as a protected area at my doorstep. Um, yeah, and I go out there every day and really enjoy it. But uh, my list of places to see in the world is very long and I haven't been to all continents yet. So yeah, that's definitely a lot on the bucket list. How did you uh, start with birding? Like, was the birding part of getting this job with Zeiss or were you a birder before? Um, well, um, I got into um, nature and birding um, really early. So um, my grandpa was more outdoors than indoors. <laughs> he used to be um, part of the Black Forest uh, Association. And I used to go out with him a lot. Um, he knew every bird, plant, mushroom, everything in his local area. And I loved it. Um, unfortunately, he died when I was nine years old. Um, but uh, our bird um, 
we both like pretty much was the bullfinch. Um, and we spoke a lot, a lot about the uh, caber Kelly. Um, and in the 90s, uh, the population was still existing in the Black Forest area. So um, I do have a certain connection to that species as well, which is suffering really badly and close to extinct. But all of this shaped my uh, fascination and my understanding uh, of nature. And um, yeah, when he passed away, I inherited his old pair of Zeisspins, which uh, honestly stood in the cupboard uh, for some years during school and uh, graduation and studies, um, where I, um, yeah, unfortunately, I lost the connection to nature um, a little bit. Um, but uh, the love for nature came back uh, in my late 20s. Um, I used to do a lot of sports these days, um, mostly running and getting prepared for a half marathon. And um, yeah, I realized that nature gave me the compensation after a long working day. And um, yeah, that I also have the need to stop and look for the details, not just running across them. And uh, since then I inhale this every day and try to be outdoors. Um, as much as I can and uh, you know it's fantastic to to um, have this old piece of optics inherited from a role model and then today I'm I'm working um, for exactly this optics manufacturer with pride and also enabling others to follow their passion and um, yeah uh, looking at my my life now I also try to shape uh, the understanding of um, nature uh, for my own son uh, so he's five years old now and really soaks it all up um, like a sponge. And uh, it really makes me proud when he, for example, recognizes a bird song of a blackbird or, or a robin. Uh, that's really cool. And it is a different kind of birding um, and surely a bit disruptive, um, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, that's all right. I mean, uh, there's enough opportunities uh, for more focused birding days. And now is the time to shape him as a future nature lover. And I really hope, of course, that he will also become a bird watcher. Well, that is just such a cool history that you have with it all, with your grandfather and, you know, bringing that love of everything with your son. Um, and <laughs> that you have Zeiss, your grandfather had Zeiss binoculars. And, you know, that's that's such a cool, uh, cool Thing. Um, so when you go out and go birding, what does just a normal day of birding look like for you? Yeah, so a typical day, um, it really includes uh, the generic nature um, education, because often my son is, of course, included, and it's very local. Um, uh, but yeah, there, there's so much to learn uh, about uh, all the fantastic um, bird species locally, but also uh, worldwide. So um, really, yeah, always looking forward when I have the opportunity to travel. And uh, yeah, I, I just recently got hooked on bird photography. And uh, I would really say that this is the thing for me to complete uh, my personal birding um, experience. Um, yeah, and I try to go out. Uh, as often as I can with, with the camera as well. That's great. So um, you already mentioned your grandfather, but do you feel like there's been other influences in your birding life? Um, starting to work for Zeiss, um, uh, I um, was collaborating closely with um, Dr. Gerald Dobler, um, who's a fantastic ornithologist uh, and a great product expert. Um, and he also um, was a, 
a great mentor uh, for me to really develop. Uh, I never thought, honestly, that I was a bird watcher before working for Zeiss. Um, it was more that I considered myself as a nature lover uh, in all aspects of nature. Um, but I really started developing into a bird watcher um, when working for Zeiss. That's awesome. So what has been your experience as a woman birder? Well, it is still a very male-dominated area. Um, and I would definitely say that we need more women out in the front lines. Um, I would like to see more women as speakers and as role models for this wonderful hobby. Um, there are always exceptions, but in my opinion, women are the more engaging and less competitive characters. And they are just ideal to transport the message um, and the passion for bird watching. So also great job, Hannah, um, for supporting um, Women Birders Network, for creating this podcast and also the networking, networking platform for women birders. I think that's really fantastic. And um, in general, I think um, that the empowerment and the presence of women um, needs to be improved. Um, we need to stand up and be more confident. Um, and um, I'm very happy that I have another female colleague who's supporting me um, in the size nature team since December. Um, yeah, because for me, it's very important that uh, we have more women represented in this field. Yeah. And, you know, you're a great role model as well. When we were at the Champions of the Flyway, and I think it was the pre-dinner, um, you kind of did a presentation, you know, about your team and everything. <laughs> I was just, uh, you know, filled with uh, filled with excitement seeing you up there and, you know, being a leader in this. So congratulations to you for that. And, thank you know, you. anybody listening, I definitely look to Petra as a great role model as well. So thank you for your words about me. But you're fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. That's really nice to hear as well. <laughs> so uh, looking at beginner birders, uh, how do you feel that we can be more supportive of them? Um, I think it has to start very early with the more generic nature education. Uh, and I think that this may spark someone's interest for birds. Um, especially when I look at um, the situation here in Germany. So here birding is considered to be very nerdy. I think that's a bit different in the US, uh, luckily. Um, but here it's very nerdy. And I think a change of the mindset of the people is needed here um, because most kids will lose interest if they're looked down upon. And um, yeah, looking at my work, I'm uh, very proud and, and happy that Zeiss is supporting young birders initiatives for many years now, especially in the US. So the US colleagues um, have done a great job there. And we also started in, in the UK. And our goal is to transfer these great examples from, from US and UK also to other countries and create a network and uh, support the young birders of tomorrow because, yeah, it needs uh, the, the coming generation uh, to follow up on, on all what we are, the, the foundation. We can build the foundation, but there need to be um, yeah, young people um, taking care of it um, afterwards. Yeah, hmm. That's funny that um, it's considered kind of a nerdy hobby in Germany. I mean, I think that's really how it kind of was in uh, the U.S., but, you know, it's uh, changing and evolving how people uh -huh. are viewing birders. It has surely changed a bit with the COVID pandemic. Um, I think that people are now more open uh, for nature. Um, 
but still it is is very nerdy among the young people unfortunately so uh you you know touch a lot of the birding community uh in your work and in your life do you feel that you found your place in the birding community i would clearly say yes um there's a wonderful network um, of birders worldwide um, and uh, we have a lot of people um, also connected within Zeiss but also beyond that and everybody is very supportive and we respect each other no matter which brand you are using because in the end that doesn't matter it's about the birds and um, it's also it, it doesn't matter which ornithological knowledge uh, you have, um, you're being helped and uh, supported. And, and that's just really great. And, um, it's also great to meet all these people um, regularly on the international events and getting to know new folks. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful community and fantastic to be part of it. That's awesome. So what do you feel has been your most memorable bird or birding experience? That is a tough question, as there have been many. Um, so will this be the one where you choose the cocktail from? Um, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so let me give you um, a few to choose from. So um, for me personally, because I do a lot of local birding, on a local scale, um, it's the yearly return of the nightingale. I love to listen to her concert. Um, so people around me would say that I'm obsessed with it, but uh, I think it's just passion. <laughs> um, and it's it's so exciting to hear um, when she's back in the small nature reserve um, at my doorstep in April, May. And uh, in fact, I mean, it's never sure that she's going to return. So it's always a relief to hear her for the first time. And um, yeah, sometimes I can even hear her from my living room. It's such a thrilling bird um, who's a wonderful example for the fascination also of bird migration in general. And speaking of bird migration, the second example, I think, would be raptor migration in, in Israel, in Elat. I was so overwhelmed when I saw that for the first time, these hundreds of birds of prey in the sky. That was just an unforgettable experience. I didn't see it this time, um, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, uh, next Champions of the Flyway is coming. So <laughs> I have to see it again, really. That, that was fantastic. And the third, which might be the more exotic for the cocktail, but that's up to you. I love owls. And um, during the Rock Jumper Kruger Challenge uh, in, in the Kruger National Park in February, we saw a Barouse eagle owl. And it was not only the pink eyelids and the majestic uh, appearance of this uh, species, but also the moment behind it, um, which, which has really touched me. So I think these three would be good examples for um, memorable bird experiences. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, you gave me a lot to choose from. So. <laughs> I'll so, be excited to see which cocktail it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned a couple of fantastic birding locations that you've been to, but where do you think is a place that every birder should try to get to? There's really many. And I still have so many blind spots on my personal uh, wish list. But I think really watching bird migration in one of the hotspots like Elat, um, that's definitely worth a recommendation. 
And in this context, um, joining the world's friendliest bird race, Champions of the Flyway, <laughs> would of course be mandatory. Yeah, so I think that's really um, experience that every bird watcher should um, somehow uh, have. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree that it is such um, such a fun event and. For some reason, you know, even though everybody's coming from different corners of the world for Champions of the Flyway, it just, by the end of it, when you've competed and you're sitting at the IBR CE eating breakfast together, it just feels like such a family that's come together in yeah. just a few short yeah. days. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And I haven't been there uh, since 2017, and it was my first time this year again. And it was really like, yeah, no time was in between that time and, and uh, that's just fantastic yeah so what changes would you like to see in the birding community um, i think we need to be um inclusive support young uh, people women birders people of color and um, also continue um, to act as one community supporting conservation um, I think the path for that is set. There has been a lot done in the past. We just need to continue that journey um, because as a group, we, we are only able to make a difference. And um, as mentioned before, I really would like to see a change in the openness for nature amongst people who are, are not birders. Because when I'm outdoors, I always get looks or asked why I'm carrying a binocular. There's so much to see um, and, and people need to experience that themselves. And I think it, here it needs us to change their eyes or their mindset. And I think we are very good at um, leveraging the passion of those who are birders already. But we also need to look at those who are about to open to become nature enthusiasts of tomorrow. And um, yeah, therefore, I think it needs to, uh, us to engage and uh, to spread the word and transfer this passion to others. Yeah, I think that that would be the change I would like to see. Okay, great. And what do you think has been the most valuable thing you've learned from birding? Um, immerse in nature let yourself surprise because you can get so much from it. And there's, as I said, always something to see. Um, I would also say, um, don't be too competitive um, and always respect nature and birds. I mean, look at these small creatures, the journey most of them are carrying on twice a year if you look at these kind of things, our problems seem to be so small and filled with luxury. And I would say that birding makes you a better person. That may sound too exaggerated, but um, it definitely makes me happy. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. If folks want to find out more about you and the cool things that you do, how would they do that? Um, well, they can find me on, on the social channels, on, on Facebook, um, on Instagram. And um, yeah, everyone who is at Bird Fair, you're very welcome. Join us at the Zeiss stand. Um, say hello. I'll be there all the three days. Looking forward to it, really, to see everybody again. And uh, yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for your time. It was good seeing you again. It was great seeing you. And yeah, you'll be at Bird Fair too, right? Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> 
perfect yeah so we'll see see each other there perfect so thank you so much petra for joining me if you find yourself at global bird fair in july make sure to swing in and say hi to her at the zeiss booth or perhaps you'll spot her while viewing the incredible migration of raptors over the lot mountains of israel and thank you all for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to me. If you'd like to connect with me on the socials, you can follow me at Hannah Goes Birding on Instagram. My Twitter is at WomenBirdersHH, or you can email me at WomenBirders at gmail.com. I also have resources and information on GoBirdingPodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed this chat, and I look forward to seeing you in the next happy hour. <laughs>